listen to his holy word and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
we are here this morning not because we all got it perfect this past week. We are here this morning not because we all got A's on our tests and all because we have managed to understand all the secrets of life. We are here this morning because we know that we are loved by God and that God receives us no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, and wishes to redeem us and make us into new creations. So friends, let us, in an act of faith, go before our God with our corporate prayer of confession. Let us pray. We come back to you, O Holy One, to renew our commitment. We confess that pride has led us to embrace false gods. We spend more time with our hobbies than with your cause. We pay more attention to our toys than to your truth. Your law is no longer in our hearts. We have neglected the spiritual gifts entrusted to us. We have forgotten that we have been named and baptized and commissioned for service. O oh God, bring us back to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, if a person is in Jesus Christ, that person becomes a new creation altogether. The past is finished and gone, and everything becomes fresh and new. So friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. As the people of faith, let us say what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us now take a moment to greet one another.
Good morning. We welcome you to warm Church of the Palms. <laughs> We're glad you're with us and uh, thankful that you uh, brave the elements. Uh, everything is relative, I guess, but we are glad that we can be together amidst the warmth of Christ's love and the fellowship of Christ's people. We uh, hope that you will find this to be a place of welcome. We encourage you to fill out the friendship pads which are in the pews and pass those along to your neighbor. Uh, be on the lookout for names you don't know, and uh, hopefully that will be a spur for you to uh, reach out the hand of fellowship and invite someone to join you under the warmth of the fellowship tree outside. <laughs> there is hot coffee there, so they'll be braving colder temperatures uh, during the football games this afternoon, so you can, you can certainly brave those temperatures out there. So we would love to have you join us for uh, those opportunities. At 10.15 this, this morning, we uh, begin a new SHAPE class, and uh, you'll have a chance to learn more about the SHAPE experience at 10.15. There's an orangish, yellowish flyer in your bulletin to pay attention to that. Uh, hundreds, literally hundreds of people in our church have uh, participated in the SHAPE class, have been really shaped by that experience to learn more about who they are and what it is that uh, God has designed them to be such that they may be uh, better employed in the kingdom of heaven. So we invite you to uh, consider that and uh, join us for that opportunity uh, this morning. Next Sunday, we have our congregational meeting and uh, we look forward to uh, talking about the year past in 2013 and uh, to look ahead to the year 2014. The session is very excited about what is in store for us in 2014. We've put before ourselves great challenges of how we can be faithful to our mission here at, uh, in local Sarasota, but also to our mission partners throughout the world. We would love for you to come and learn more about that at our congregational meeting next Sunday, right after the last service around 12 noon. So right here in the sanctuary, there is an annual report available for you. As you leave here, you will find them in the racks. We invite you to take one with you so that uh, you can learn more about what happened over this past year and be informed uh, for our discussion about our life together uh, at our meeting next week. We have a uh, Mission Expo coming up in a couple of weeks. There's information about that in your bulletin. It's actually about 10 days away from now. And we invite you to take a look at that. We would have you love to have you come and learn about a lot of the mission partners that we are seeking to support in 2014. Uh, opportunities for you to learn more about mission throughout the world. And uh, we would hope that you could uh, join us for that. You can sign up for that underneath the tree again after our service today. But we would love to have you be a part of that. And if you look on page 15 of your bulletin, you'll see one of our mission partners, Dmitry Todorov, who is uh, doing some great work in Bulgaria. And uh, we have been coming alongside of Dmitry over the last uh, several years to support his work, very important work uh, in a country that was once behind the Iron Curtain, is now seeking to be open more and more to the work of Jesus Christ. And as you receive, as we receive your, our offerings later on in the service, just know that that is something that you're supporting in our effort to be faithful to God's people throughout the world. Now we'd like to invite our new members to come forward to be received. We got a big group today. Come on all the way around. Excellent. Just this past Sunday, uh, past uh, Sunday, we had a new members class and an opportunity for these good people to learn more about our mission here at Church of the Palms of equipping disciples for the service of Christ. And 
they have uh, heard about that mission and are wishing to join that mission, and we are grateful that you're with us this morning. We invite you to turn around and look at these good people uh, that are before you, and as I call your name, if you just raise your hand so that we can put name and face together. Mary Bates, Pat and Jim Bennett, Barbara Kofer, Anne and Carl Hirsch, Phil and Candy Hoffman, Eric Jason, John and Karen Kirsch, Bob and Shirley Olson, Scott and Margot Ross, and Ron and Jenny Troyer. Good looking people, huh? Give them a round of applause, yes. I'm sorry to say, but you have to turn around and face me again. <laughs> As you come to be a part of our life here at Church of the Palms, we know this is a big step of faith, a way by which you are aligning your life with us as a congregation and as a mission. And so we invite you to respond to these questions as you become members of Church of the Palms. Who is your Lord and Savior? Do you trust in him? Do you intend to be his disciple, to obey his word, and to show his love? And will you be a faithful member of this congregation, giving of yourself in every way, and will you seek the fellowship of the church wherever you may be? By your answering those questions, you have made covenant with us and with God to be about this important mission of bringing God's love and grace into the world. And we're grateful that you have joined us. And we look forward to being with you shoulder to shoulder in this mission together. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for these good people. I'm grateful that they now are a part of our life here at Church of the Palms. In many ways, they have been a part for for a long time perhaps, and we're thankful that now together officially we begin this march together to bring the good news of Jesus Christ into the world, that the world may know that through what we do and say that there is a God who so loved the world that he gave his only son. So bless them, give them the gifts they need such that they may be your agents in the world, for we ask it in Christ's name, amen. Would you receive these people again with your round of applause? Handshaking. <laughs> Good to see you, Amen. Thank you. Oh, yes, yes. Candy, great. Welcome, welcome. Now we'd like to invite Nancy Brown to come forward. Hello, Nancy Brown. This is someone who really doesn't need any introduction here at Church of the Palms. You want to come up there, do you? Okay, come on up. Come on up here. Nancy Brown, how long have you been a member here at Church of the Palms? About the same amount of time you've been working here? Yes, sir. Okay, about 25 years. Nancy Brown has been serving the Church of the Palms, and when we talk about service, we talk about service. She has literally been serving us meals over the past 25 years. Many of you have received the gifts of this wonderful woman, and uh, you have received her hospitality. And uh, we've been discussing uh, over the last part of the fall that Nancy is retiring, and she officially did so on, January, on December the 31st. And uh, on Friday, we had a big celebration for her over in the Campus Center, and uh, we had a wonderful time of uh, reminiscing and, and 
loving you and, uh, and giving thanks to God for how you have loved us over these years. And so we have uh, uh, not had the chance to have Nancy in front of our congregation, and we just want to say one more round of thank you for all that you have done. We've got some flowers here for you, and as well... And a gift from our congregation for just a small token of how much we are so thankful for all that you have done. God bless you. Do you want to say a word? No. No, you don't want to say a word? Sure I do. I'll say a word. <laughs> it's been quite a journey in the last 25 years. We, as Dr. Steve just reminded me how we reminisced on Friday night with some of our um, past ministers. And, and it was quite something to go back in time. But it's also something exciting to go forward. And this is where I wish for this congregation to move forward and enjoy all the opportunities that Church of the Palms has to offer. And I thank you, and I'll see you on campus later on. Thank you. Thank you. 
Let us join together our hearts in prayer. O Lord Almighty, lift us up to your presence and let us feel you near. As we assemble for worship and turn to your word this morning, open our minds. Enable us to be ready to receive what you have to give to us this day in song, in sermon, in congratulations, and in silence in our own hearts. We need many things, but right at this moment we ask for a courage and hope. Capture our hearts with your grace and drive out the fear that would make us compromise our values and draw back from the challenges you call us to. Give us a confidence in your abiding care for us that we will live boldly and serve freely wherever you call us. We thank you this day for the many answers to prayer that we've already received. As we look on this congregation, we are thankful for the gift of long life with which you have blessed so many among our people. We thank you for the chance to celebrate other people's achievements like we did with Nancy last Friday for her years of service. We thank you for the faithfulness of the family and friends and the support of others in good times as well in times of trial. We thank you for those who've extended themselves to help, who offer friendship and who speak words of wisdom and encouragement. But we pray you'll hear our prayers today for those who need healing of body and spirit. We pray for your holy comfort and a peace that passes all hope. We pray that that will come into our lives and heal our wounds and bind up our broken hearts and drive away disease. We pray you'll bring peace to those who have to learn to live with chronic illness. Lift up and give them strength as they attempt to go about living life in this new journey. Surround them with Christians who will strengthen and who will encourage them. We pray you'll show them your love in a new way today and help those who are caught in conflicts to think clearly and to remain committed to what is right. Father, we lift up our nation to you as well. First, we ask that you'll guide our president and give him and his cabinet wisdom to resolve the conflicts that are bedeviling us both here and abroad. Guide our politicians to not only be consumed with their agendas, but the national interest and your agenda. We pray for unity in a country that proclaims in God we trust, and yet there are still deep divisions. As we go into the holiday tomorrow, help us to remember that all are the same in your sight, 
worthy of respect and honor and help us to follow according to your will in being fair and equitable to everybody. Somehow, even through fierce partisanship and disagreements, we pray you'll be glorified in th through this nation. And again, we pray for our armed forces around the world that you will give them your protective care. Lord, we finally ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to hear your voice this morning. Fill us with your holy passion so that others cannot help but be attracted to your light living inside of us. Help us to take that first step and then show us where to walk and then run. Help us to never lose focus and the vision that you've laid before us. Thank you once again for your mercy, for your grace. We know that we would be nothing without you. And we return, therefore, whatever praise and gratitude we receive back to you. Again, change us, make us new. May you be praised through our lives, guide and protect us. And may we truly mean the prayer of Jesus that we are about to say, who taught us, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now let us consecrate our gifts by presenting our tithes and offerings.
praise. gifts as an act of worship to be presented to you. We know that songs and the word and our prayers are a part of worship, but we pray that the giving of our resources will be as much of an act of worship in praise of you, joyfully given, and we present that to you in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. And now we're going to ask Moira and our children to come forward and sit up here. I just love sweets. When dessert's around, I can hardly resist. Would you hold this for me, please? But please don't eat any, because we are in church after all. <laughs> How about you guys? Does anybody like cookies? What's your favorite kind of cookie? Sprinkles. Oh, yummy. Anybody else? Who likes cookies? You know, it's Girl Scout season time. Girl Scouts are going to be selling some cookies. What kind do you like? M&M. Ooh, that's super yummy. Macadamia nut and white chocolate. Oh, all right. That's a fancy one. Well, after Jesus was baptized, he went out into the desert, and he wanted to be alone so he could pray and get ready for his ministry. He did not eat for 40 days. That is a very long time, more than a month. And he left friends and family behind. He thought he was completely alone, but he had an uninvited visitor, the devil. The devil waited until Jesus was really, really hungry. You guys can turn around if you want to see. Would you like something to eat? If you are the son of God, tell these stones to turn into bread. It is written, man does not live on bread alone. The devil was not done tempting Jesus. He tried for a second time. He took Jesus up to a very high hill, and in all directions you could see beauty and riches. See the kingdoms? I'll give you all the power and glory that comes from ruling over them. It will all be yours, if you choose to worship me. It is written, worship the Lord your God. He is the only one you should serve. You choose unwisely. You toss away all the power in the world. Are you really the son of God? The devil was not done. He had one more trick up his sleeve. He took Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem, which is also high on a hill. This time, 
he tried to trick Jesus by quoting from scripture himself. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. The Lord will command his angels to take good care of you. They will lift you up in their hands. Then you won't trip over a stone. Scripture says, do not put the Lord or God to the test. The devil was furious. He had no more tricks left for Jesus. Suit yourself. <laughs> now, all of us know that the devil does not walk around in a red outfit with horns on his or her head. The devil can take many forms, and so we need to be careful, and the way that we're careful is that we learn God's word. Jesus was able to resist the devil because he had studied God's word from the Old Testament. Discovering God's word helps us to make the wise choice. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for not leaving us alone with the devil and sin. We know that we need your help to resist temptation. We want to make the wise choice this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's go to kids' worship. We are continuing in a sermon series that we began last week on the Apostles' Creed, the love languages of God, the ways by which God loves us through his three personhood, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And last week we looked at the nature of the Trinity and how God in his personhood, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit uh, is at work, not only within himself, but also in the world and how he encourages us to access that great power that is found within the Trinity to be at work in the world. 
And today we begin our journey through the actual words of the creed and with the first phrase that we'll be looking at, I believe in God the Father Almighty. And to do so, we'll take a look at a couple of texts in scripture. First, the 46th Psalm. Hear the word of God. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city it shall not be moved. God will help her right early. God will help it when the morning dawns. The nations are in an uproar, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord. See what desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. And the God of Jacob is our refuge. And then from the Gospel of Matthew, the sixth chapter, beginning at the 25th verse, these words that are found in the midst of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Jesus speaks and says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that these words to come will point to this word just read 
and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ, for we pray this in his name, amen. <clears throat> Several years ago, I was visiting with my family that great entertainment center of the universe, Disney World, the Magic Kingdom. Now, there's lots to do in Disney World, but I'm pretty much the only roller coaster rider in my family, and so that means I'm often by myself looking for the next thrill ride. It also meant, back before a fast pass, a long waiting in long lines by oneself. Now, in one of these solo adventures, I decided to take my turn on Space Mountain, the great roller coaster in the dark. And as I approached the massive ride, in front of me was a father and son, a young son. The boy barely met the height requirement to get into the ride, which alone was reason enough for him to feel not only very proud, but to also think that Space Mountain was no big deal. Now, as I said, the lines for rides like Space Mountain are kind of long, and this one particularly so, and it wound its way through the building, and you found yourself walking through the corridors of space paraphernalia and sounds that made it appear as if you were on your final walk to get into the space shuttle for a liftoff. And so I noticed ahead of me this little boy who just moments before had been filled with a great deal of bravado, all of a sudden wasn't feeling so courageous anymore. He grew more and more silent and then began asking questions of his father, questions that betrayed a growing sense of reluctance. How fast is this ride, Dad? Are there, are there really big drops? Uh, do you wear a seatbelt? Uh, what happens when the seatbelt doesn't work? <laughs> the father did his best to dispel the boy's fears. Nevertheless, his steps, the, so the boy's steps grew more and more timid. The expression on his face revealed a doubt that wondered if he was going to get out of this ride alive. <laughs> and then came the moment of truth. Onto the platform, the boy and his father were invited, with the next step being a step into the car which had yet to arrive. The boy froze. Panic filled his face, tears filled his eye, and a tremble came to his lip. He wanted to be brave. He wanted not to let down his father, but there was just no way he was gonna get into that car. So the father leaned over and whispered something into the boy's ear, something I could not hear. The Little boy nodded his head, and with every last ounce of the courage he could muster, he took his place back into the line for the next car. Moments later it arrived, the two stepped in, sat down, got pressed in by the mechanical harness. The boy stared straight ahead, and the father stared straight at his son. And off they went. Off they went. I will never forget that scene as long as I live. There was something that spoke so many things that goes into the development of a human being, a child becoming an adult. You can unpack that picture and find a thousand lessons. But in the end, there they were, parent and child, child and parent. One of them not knowing what in heaven's name was going to happen, and the other one knowing that everything, despite the darkness, despite the sudden drops, despite the invisible turns, everything in the end is going to be all right. 
They were going to get through the ride together. It's been that way ever since the beginning, hasn't it? This fear of the unknown. We don't know much about what goes through the mind of an infant child when he or she comes into the world. Consciousness is not very well formed in the early days of our life, but it's safe to say that when we were babies, we had no idea what was happening or what was going to happen to us. All we knew was that we were cold and hungry, and the only way those things were going to be addressed was through an unmistakable wail. And if we were fortunate enough, there was a parent close by whose instinct it was to respond to our cry to give us what we needed. The best of families, this is a relationship of trust and a bond that begins and continues until those wonderful adolescent years where children, despite what wonderful track record their parents have amassed, all of a sudden see their parents as the least intelligent and least trustworthy creatures on the planet. But still, there is something about that picture of father and son heading into the darkness, maybe absent the roller coaster, that I think Jesus had in mind when in his teaching about the meaning and purpose of life, he continually referred to God, to the God of heaven as Father. Your Father in heaven, he would always say. It's how he spoke even of his own Trinitarian relationship, Father, Abba, Daddy. There was something about the trust and bond between creator and creature that Jesus was trying to point us to. There is a yearning God has for us to see him as the father, the trustworthy father who is taking his seat in the car as we make our way together into the unknown darkness which is the future. Now, it's not that Jesus wants us to get hung up on the gender identity of God, because, of course, God has no gender. That would be a far too limited view of God. And, and furthermore, those of us who have had problematic or non-existent relationships with fathers and mothers, this idea of God as father may be a hurdle too high to leap over. But at its very core, it seems what Jesus would want to point us to is to the trust and the bond, the belief, I believe in the God of heaven who ultimately attaches God's very self to us. We are on this ride together. Inside the Presbyterian Church's Book of Confessions, there is a 16th century confession written by our European reformer forebears that takes the form of a catechism, the Heidelberg Catechism. Catechism is basically questions and answers of the faith. And when they put that together back in the 16th century, I'm sure they wrestled with what should be the first question. What is the question of most importance when it comes to the being of God and to the condition of humanity? And this is the question they came up with in the Heidelberg Catechism. Question number one, what is your only comfort in life and in death? What is your only comfort in life and in death? And the answer, is that I belong. I belong, body and soul, in life and in death, not to myself. But I belong 
to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. That I belong. Isn't that what we're saying when we say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, is that we belong to someone outside of ourselves, that we, are, that we are not in this thing alone, that despite the great anxiety of life that says to us that somehow we have to face this thing called life on our own, that we have to go into the darkness by ourselves, that we are in this world just you know, relying upon accidents and it's only you and the roll of the dice. In the face of all that, the child of God stands forth and says, I believe in God the Father Almighty. I believe that God in his almightiness attaches God's self to me. That I don't have to go through this life thinking that my only sense of belonging is to myself. But that I belong to God. That God will never let me go. This is the almightiness of God. Not, not that God somehow orchestrates every moment of every moment of every life and every action that takes place around us, that somehow God is responsible for all the hurts and the hills and the hurdles of life. No, we tend to create a lot of those for ourselves. No, God in his almightiness, in his fatherly almightiness says to us that no matter what the darkness may hold, no matter how sudden the drop, no matter how unexpected the turn, nothing, God says, can pull me away from you. Some of you have seen, I'm sure, the cartoonish picture that shows a dragon propped up against a tree. He is savoring his most recent meal. A medieval castle is in the distant background and the dragon is using a, a knight's lance as an after-dinner toothpick. And scattered all around the dragon are pieces of the knight's armor and you realize there's no knight. <laughs> Breastplate, helmet, shield, all the rest are scattered around the dragon. And beneath the scene, there is the caption, no matter how hard you work, no matter how right you are, sometimes the dragon still wins. And that's truth, isn't it? That's just the truth about life. We've all encountered it one way or the other. Life isn't fair, bad things happen to good people, awful things occur to children who don't deserve them. The dragon wins sometimes. But God's almightiness is not about that. God's almightiness is about the love he brings to that. God's almightiness is about the love that intercedes, the love that bears the same unfairness, that, that when the religious rulers mocked Jesus up on the cross and implored him to come down and save himself, if he really had the power, it is in that emptiness, it is in that emptiness on the cross that God says, no, I stay here in order to save the world. The love that promises that though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, we shall not fear, for the Lord of hosts is with us. And the God of Jacob is our refuge. The Apostle Paul put it another way. I am convinced, he said, I am convinced, I am sure, I believe that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation, he writes, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
This is God in his almightiness. It makes me think of that time when I was in junior high and my parents took me on a trip behind the Iron Curtain. And one of our stops was in the capital city, Moscow. And while we were there, my father was able to get two tickets for him and for me to go to the, see the Soviets play the Irish in soccer. Soviet national team and the Ireland national team to play soccer. What a thrill for a ninth grade boy. It was at the big soccer stadium there in the middle of Moscow and we had no idea how to get there. So we had someone write out the name of the stadium on a piece of paper and the name of the hotel on another piece of paper so we could give it to the taxi driver in both directions. Well, the first driver got us to the stadium and we saw the Soviets beat the Irish one to nothing. And when the game was over, we came out of the stadium, about 60,000 of us, only for us to discover that the taxis didn't run at night. We had to figure out how to get home on our own. So the only way home was by subway. Now the Moscow subway is a beautiful subway, but it had only one station for this stadium of 60,000 people. So we walked with probably 30,000 of those 60,000 who didn't have a car to the one subway station and my father could see that this was not going to work out well. And as we approached the station, we found rows of Soviet soldiers forming a human funnel for us to squeeze into the one entrance to the one station. 30,000 people funneled into one entrance. This was one of those crowds where you got separated and crushed. Before we knew it, we were already inside the vortex, and as we started into the vortex, my father turned around, and he could see this look of panic on my face. And this is what he said to me. He said, I want you to do one thing, one thing. I want you to grab onto the back of my belt, and I want you to grab onto that and never let it go. Hold on to that, and if you hold on to that belt, things will be all right. And so into the darkness of this crushing crowd, I held on to the back of the belt of the man in whose eye I had once been a gleam. And the crush came, and I held on, and I held on, and I held on. I belonged. I belonged to him. And in the end, I was all right. Tears streaming down my cheeks, bruises in my ribs and on my arms, but I was all right. The Father got me through. I belong. Good news, even for an adolescent son. But you know what the better news is? The better news is that this Father Almighty, of whom we speak every Sunday, that this Father Almighty in whom we believe, it is not about our grasp of Him. It's about His grasp of us. That's what it's about. God's grasp of us. That though the earth should change, Though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though we do not know what tomorrow will bring, though life's hurdles hurdles us into the darkness, though rulers and powers may wish to separate us, though the dragon sometimes wins, 
The good news is we belong. We belong not to ourselves, but to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. I believe in God the Father Almighty.
now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.